A big welcome to the bilingual evangelist of Jesus Christ, Santi Fuentes. Thank you so much. Rather that one. So, I was flying over to LAX. Thank you, Pastor. And they had the air conditioning. Man, so cold. And if you're from Mexico City, we don't use air conditioning ever. At least not, not, at ha- not at home, just in our cars maybe. But it messed up my voice. And it kind of uh, got worse as the, as the days went by. But I'm here so thrilled to, to, to have the opportunity of sharing God's word to you. Thank you, Pastor Kerry, for having me. And yes, you can download uh, Forsh uh, App, which... Uh, it's for free, and you have many resources there, Forging Lives. You just have to look it up like Forging Lives, and you have many resources there. You can keep your notes from sermons. You can read many devos and, and listen to our speakers. And also, you have access to one of our best tools that we have out there, which is Multiplying Movements. You just saw the video about it. It's 12 Lessons to Disciple Others, to Make Disciples. We want to come alongside you. In the process of making disciples, and that's, that tool is going to help you exactly do that. As has been said uh, several times, I come from Mexico City where I, where, where I met Oliver a few years ago, and we had a blast, let me tell you. We hit it off from the start. I, I was so excited to see him yesterday, and he's been part, well, he was part of this church for some, some time. He's, he moved to Colorado, and I'm like, Oliver, are you following me? Because I go to Denver, our base camp, our, our office for four. He's in Denver, Colorado, and now he lives in Colorado Springs. So I'm like, well, I guess the Lord wants us to keep deepening our, our friendship so, mo- so much more. So I come from Mexico City. That's my mission field most of the time. But I travel a lot for Forge. The other day, as I went through a customs checkpoint in Charlotte, the officer told me, welcome back, sir. Because I come so often, I mean, in the last two months, I've been here every other week, if you can believe that. So that's a great pleasure that I have and a great responsibility. i got to say this. I have a picture in my house where my mom is standing looking at these resources, these books. On the other side of, of the resources table, there's this American missionary. Maybe some of you know his name. I don't know. His name was Eldon Sturgeon. Eldon Sturgeon passed away not long ago. And let me say this. I got to share the stage with him a couple of times. How cool is that? That my mom was ministered by the same missionary that I got to share the stage with down the road in ministry. So I consider myself like I owe so much of my theological background in in my theological um, studies to America. And so it's a pleasure just to be back here and give something back, which is the Word of God. Pastor Bowman was saying uh, he's been on a journey with his family. Well, last time I was in Denver, when I went back, I went to my same house, my same daughter, my same wife, but my wife was not the same because she was so sick. And it's taken us into, into a journey where they found some kind of, um, they call it back area syndrome in her brain. 
And so she's recovering right now. She's a precious woman of God. I told her, well, I guess, honey, I'm going to call Pastor Bowman. I told her this two weeks ago. I, I think I'm going to call Pastor Bowman and tell him, I'm not coming. I just can't do this. I cannot leave you here. And she said, this is not going to stop the Lord from doing what he wants to do through you. You go there. I'll be fine. That's why we have family here. That's why we have a church. They can help me. They can take care of me. You go do what the Lord wants to do through you. So I'm excited to be here. And I know the Lord has plans for us as we share this time in his word. Would you open up your Bibles in the book of Numbers? Numbers chapter 25. Or maybe you have your Bible in your phone. Just scroll there. Go there. During Numbers 25. That's, that's, the, that's the chapter we're going to be talking about. I'll give you some context. And then I'm going to focus on just four verses for us this morning. Pastor Bowman asked me the other day, what are you preaching? And I mean, not Carrie, but Zach. And, and, and he told me, what are you preaching on? And I told him, a big one. And I'm not sure he followed me, but he just gave me this weird look. Like, is he going to speak like for two hours? Or When he says a big one, what is he referring to? A big message or what? Well, I want to talk about the difference that one can make. The difference that one can make. If you were here for our Plan A conference, you heard stories from people that have made a difference in lives of many. Doing just one thing. One thing at a time. In Numbers chapter 25, you'll find a, one of those people that did just one thing. But are remembered forever. If you don't think that one is a big number, that one can make a big difference... Well, just tell that to those Tennessee Titans fans that can still remember Super Bowl back in 2000 when they lost to the Los Angeles Rams. Well, back then, the St. Louis Rams for just, what, one yard. He got so close, the wide receiver for the Titans got so close and stretched his arm so far as he could, and he was one yard short. From the goal line, just one yard. If you don't enjoy football as much as I do, because let me say this, my fellow Mexicans, I'm a bad Mexican. I'm so bad at playing soccer. I don't represent our country well. I know that. So I follow football. But if you're a, a, a soccer follower and, and a soccer fan, you may remember World Cup 2010. Final game, the final of, of the whole tournament was decided by one goal, Spain over Netherlands. That's a big difference, but it's just one goal, but it's a big difference. Want to hear a funny story? I was 11 years old. Now, before you give a weird look to Pastor Kerry for having me here after I give this, this story... Please hear the whole story and hear this right. I was 11 years old and I was not a Christian. So there was this frenzy going on in Mexico City. Maybe you remember this, Oliver. Uh, there was this, this new lottery game named Tris. T-R-I-S. Tris. And you just had to guess three numbers to win the jackpot. 10,000 pesos. 
about $500. But that was a lot in the, in the mind for an 11-year-old kid. I mean, there was a lot of people playing that game, but I was like, I got to get that. Can you imagine what an 11-year-old is thinking about having 500 bucks in his pocket? I was like, I want that. I didn't tell my parents. My dad was a pastor, so I stayed clear from that. I didn't tell my siblings because I wanted to keep it all for myself. So I went there, and, and the guy at this, at this uh, store where they got all these tickets gave me this weird look like, what are you doing here, kid? And I was like, I want 396. I think that's the right number, sir. All right. He joined in 396, three, gave me my ticket. I waited. I mean, I could not wait until it was evening and watch the, the, uh, the, the show on TV and see if I got the $500. So first number comes out, three. Oh, my goodness. Second number comes out, nine. Woohoo! I'm going to be millionaire tonight. With $500. Third number comes out. My brother is watching the show, not having a clue of why I'm so excited. He's talking to his girlfriend on the phone. Those, those phones, back then there were no cell phones, so he was attached to the wall, talking to his girlfriend, just looking at me, looking at me and saying, like, why is this guy so excited? So we have three. We have nine. Last number comes out. No! And he's like, hold on. There's something wrong with Santi. What's wrong with you? I got six. It's number five. Just one number. Just one digit. Make the whole difference. If you're wondering if I kept on playing away from the sight of my parents, yes, I did. <laughs> and I never got even close to that night ever again to a difference that one can make. It was just one digit, just one number. Look at Numbers 25. Numbers 25, I'm going to read verses 10 through 13. Numbers 25, verses 10 through 13. Then the Lord said to Moses, Phineas Son of Eleazar, the grandson of Aaron, the priest, has turned my anger away from the Israelites by being as zealous among them as I was. So I stopped destroying all Israel as I had intended to do in my zealous anger. Now tell him that I am making my special covenant of peace with him. In this covenant, I give him and his descendants a permanent right to priesthood. For in his seal for me, his God, he purified the people of Israel, making them right with me. What a promise. What a paragraph. Imagine the God of heaven saying, I'm going to make a covenant with you. Because I, I am so pleased with you. And not just that, but I'm going to spare my anger from your nation because of what you did. And not just that, but I'm going to bless your family forever because of what you did. Doesn't that sound amazing? 
I think it does. I would love to do that. I would love to serve the Lord in such a way that, first of all, I will please Him, that my family will receive the fruits of that blessing, and my nation will turn to God. I would love to do that. And just because of the faces and the looks that you're giving me, I think you want that too. But here's the context of this. If you read chapter 25, the first verses, it says that the people of Israel were camped at Acacia Grove. Kind of the same name of this street around here. Acacia. That's what it reads in Spanish. And some of the men of the men of Israel met, it would say in some, ver in some versions of the Bible, with the woman of the Moabite. That means they started to join them, to have sex with them. And next, after that, you see them worshiping their idols. It's really, it's really not that hard to understand the descending spiral of sin. Once you remove God from your mind, from the equation of how you make your decisions, you feel free to do whatever. So once they renounced to God, they were, in their own minds, free to do whatever. So the anger of the, of the Lord came upon them and started killing them and said to the leaders of Israel, just bring all those who have joined the women from the Moabites and kill them. Now, this, this is mind-blowing. And we, we might be thinking now in our uh, 21st century minds, well, that is kind of harsh. I mean, kill them? Well, the wages of sin is dead, isn't it? And it has always been. So we're not putting on, the, on trial our God, but we're just recognizing that he's holy and he demanded just kill them all, wipe them all. And there is this man. Did you hear? Not about Phineas, but let me, let me give you more context. There was just one man who, it says in verse 6, just, just then one of the Israelite men brought a Midianite woman into his tent right before the eyes of Moses and all the people. As everyone was weeping at the entrance of the tabernacle, as they were executing the man that had sinned against God, there, there comes this guy just parading himself with a new wife he found among the, Amal, the Moabites. What, what you read on verse 6, it's just the open sin that they were living in. They didn't care anymore. But the exodus had happened just some time ago. Miracles from God were seen on an everyday basis by God's provision of, of food and, and, and water for them. And this guy just didn't care. So, Phineas, a son of Eleazar, 
grandson of Aaron, what did he do? It says he took a spear and rushed after the man into his tent. And it says, verse 8, Phineas thrust the spear all the way through the man's body and into the woman's stomach. Very likely, he caught him having sex. And that's why they were just, it says he thrust it with a spear. And it says, the end of verse 8, So the plague against the Israelites, Israelites was stopped, but not before 24,000 people had died. It stopped. One act of obedience. One act of obedience. He trusted God's word. He took God at his word. Let me give you a cross-reference for this. You may want to look up this one. Psalm 106, Psalm 106, verse 30. Psalm 106 is one of those that recount the history of, of Israel. If, if you're wondering about this, let me share this really quick. The reason why there are many songs in the book of Psalms that recount the, the wonders of God among his people is because you can, you can memorize a lot of things if you just add some tunes to it. Am I right, my sister? I mean, if I, if I ask you, how many songs do you know? You may be like, well, National Anthem and, um, oh, man, uh, yes, Jesus loves me and... Um, you probably not, but once you hear the tune, it comes back to you. It comes back to you. And you've memorized, I'm sure, just like me, dozens or hundreds of songs. Well, the book of, of Psalms has all these songs so that they could memorize the wonders of God in their favor. So they would not forget. Listen to what it says, Psalm 106, verse 30. But Phineas had the courage to intervene, and the plague was stopped. Listen to the next verse. So he has been regarded as a righteous man ever since that time. It says the same things about Abraham. Because of his obedience, Abraham was regarded as a righteous man. That means was justified. His sins were forgiven. Not because of what he did. What he did was an expression of what he believed about God. Salvation is by faith, but faith shows up in obedience. And that obedience flows out of a heart that is in love with God. That's why at force we say hearts on fire. We want to see everybody on fire for God, on fire for Jesus. That's the first thing you need if you want to serve God. Because let me tell you, brothers and sisters, obedience without love. It's hypocrisy. I was an expert hypocrite. I was telling Mike and the rest of the men at my table during the conference. I grew up going through the motions. I knew the answers. I knew exactly what they were talking about in Bible school, in vacation Bible school. I knew all those things. I've memorized many, many verses I did all these things, but just going through the motions, I didn't love Jesus. 
I did not have a personal relationship with Jesus. It wasn't until I turned 18 that the Lord saved me. And they taught me. One of the men of our church took me under his wing and taught me just to enjoy fellowship with Jesus on a daily basis everywhere. Flipped my life upside down. If you believe in God, you'll trust what he say. And if you trust what he says, it's because you love him. I tell my daughter, honey, don't you think we love you? She's four years old. And sometimes she goes, but daddy, I want this toy. I want this Barbie doll. Honey, you don't need another Barbie doll. Don't you think I want to give you the best I can, but you don't need another one. You have to trust me. Trust me. It was a great lesson for me when she was a baby, about six, eight, eight months old. And uh, as a new dad, I was not um, ready all the time to feel her needs. So she started crying. And so we checked the diaper. No, she's fine. So she must be hungry. Oh, where's the hot water, Santi, my wife said. Oh, oh let, me, let me go get it. And as I was warming up some water for her and, and making the formula for her, she kept on crying. And I told her, I picked her up and, and told her, honey, don't you think we want to give you the best? Don't cry. It's, it stroke me. Isn't that the same with God? Sometimes we are crying to him. Give me, give me, God, give me, help me here. And he's like, don't you understand that I love you? I'll do it in the right time. Phineas trusted God. He said, you must act quickly or I'm going to wipe you all out of the surface of the earth. He acted because he trusted God. That's what Psalm 106 says. Now, Go back with me to Numbers chapter 25. Numbers chapter 25, verse 11 says, Has turned my anger away from the Israelites by being as zealous among them as I was. Obedience pleases God because you reflect his character. You reflect his character. The zealous of God is not like the jealousy of men. When the Bible says that God is zealous, it talks about God's desire to protect what is his. And Phineas was acting like God. He was protecting what is God's. It, it, is, it is such a... Such an amazing story because we don't know that much about Phineas. The Bible doesn't say a lot of things about him. The largest paragraph about Phineas is this one, and it says, verse 12, Now tell him that I am making my special covenant of peace with him. In this covenant I give him and his descendants 
a permanent right to the priesthood. For in his seal, for me, his God, he purified the people of Israel. Can you imagine obeying God in such a way that he blesses you, blesses your family, and blesses your nation? Well, let me share you a story. Let me share you a story about this. It was back in 2017 that I went to preach to First Baptist Guadalajara in Mexico. And I was preaching there through, through, the, through the week. And on Saturday, one of the men and his family told me, me and my wife, let us take you to, to Janitzio. This is a lake um, in, in Michoacan. And um, they took us there, and, and we had a great day just uh, getting to, to see some very cool places that I knew had some connection to my family. And uh, when we got to, to this Janitzio Lake, I was just thinking about my grandfather. My grandfather was a pastor, and he was an evangelist in Janitzio during persecution time. So we, in order... To not getting caught, he was just wandering around the lake preaching to people on one-on-one basis. And as I walked around the lake, I was just thinking about him. So next day, we went to church, Sunday morning, First Baptist Guadalajara, and, and I'm getting ready to preach. And then this old man comes and taps me on my shoulder, and I turn around and I say, Hi, sir. My name is Santi. And... And he said, I am Joel Mesa. And he said, are you related to Adán Fuentes? And I told him, that was my grandfather. He said, that was my pastor. My first pastor. I told him, are you from the Mesa family? The Mesa family was a family that supported my granddad's ministry. And when my uncle Josue died at two years old, my grandfather had no money to bury his body. The Mesa family stepped up, and they took care of the funeral and everything. That morning, I made a new friend. The obedience of my grandfather gave me this connection with this precious family that has been faithful to the Lord through generations now. Now, the obedience of my grandfather, of course, was a blessing to those he served, but it was a blessing for my dad and his siblings. And now there's a third and fourth generation of Christians in our family. You don't know where your obedience is going to take you. And you don't know where your obedience it's going to bear fruit. You just have to be obedient here today. Let the Lord take care of the rest. There's another story. I'm part of a team. We're training up pastors in, uh, in Huasteca in Mexico. Rural places. These pastors have access to a Bible. And maybe one or two of them have a Bible dictionary. And that's it. Most of them have no training, but have been discipled by another pastor or something like that. So we go there from time to time, three to four times a year, to, to provide training and resources for them to, to study the Bible. Because 
Also, they speak Nahuatl. They don't speak Spanish. So when I'm there, I have it translated into Nahuatl. And the lessons we, we, uh, we put together for them have to be translated into Nahuatl for them to take them home and read them and go over their notes again. And when I'm there, I tell them, brothers, you have no idea. They asked me to teach you something here, but I'm here to learn from you. You guys are my heroes. Want to know why? Because among them, there are several that have been persecuted and have been beaten up, thrown into jail, kicked out of their towns, have lost their jobs, have lost their lands, have no access to medical services, have no access to justice. Whenever they're persecuted, uh, police comes and, and federal agents comes and they, they come and say, hey, guys, we're not going to mess up with the laws of your people group, so you decided, let us know what happens. Christians are always minority in terms of numbers. So they are left in the hands of their own persecutors. I was preaching there, teaching also. Flew back home, and four days later, I got this, this picture of one of them, the one that led worship that week that I was training them up there, and he had lost a tooth. They broke into their church, beat him up, because he's the pastor. And you can see his face, swollen, black eye, lost tooth. But when you hear their stories, when you hear their stories, and how the gospel came to one person and now has spread to entire families, you know, one is a big number. A big one. The difference that you and I can make is big. It's big. My dad was a pastor and also medical doctor. He served in this little town called Nahuatzen. Some people from Michoacán here? Yes, I know. Familia Álvarez from Michoacán. Nahuatzen is a little town. And my dad was serving there uh, as a young doctor. When he got there, he tried to find if there was a... a a Christian church, and they told him, yes, there is one just a few blocks from here. So he went there and knocked on the door, and this old man came out and, and opened the door and said, yes, can I help you? And my dad said, well, I'm looking for the pastor of the church, and he said, I am. Oh, well, my name is Ezequiel Fuentes, and I want to come to your church. And he said, oh, no, we closed the church years ago. And my dad said, why? People stopped coming. Now, I'm talking about back in 1967. And so, where is the church building? And he said, it's this. And my dad said, but this looks like a stable. It's full of cattle and horses and sheep and pigs. Oh, yes, we're renting the church building to a man. And my dad told the pastor, let's do this. 
when the Catholic priest rings the bell, we're going to get together to, to pray. So that was the signal. Whenever the Catholic priest rang the bell the first time in the morning, my dad was there to pray with the pastor. They met for prayer for several weeks until a, an old lady found out they were meeting for prayer. And then she came to the prayer meeting. Another old lady heard about the meeting prayer, and she came to pray. Guess what happened? My dad kept on traveling to Mexico City, and he brought tile, and he brought furniture for the bathroom, and they paid out the man who was renting the place, and they remodeled the church building. My dad passed away back in 1996, 2013. Somebody knocked on the door on my grandpa's house. My uncle came out, and they said, is doctor, not pastor, Dr. Ezequiel Fuentes here? And my uncle said, he passed away. Can I help you? And they said, we come from the church in Nahuatzin. But he helped remodeling and revitalizing. We're celebrating our anniversary this year. 45th anniversary. And we want him to be part of it. The obedience of one. Can one make a difference? Can you make a difference? Can I make a difference? Now, when you read a big one, I'm not calling you to have a big name. I'm not calling you to have a big name. I'm not telling you, let's become famous. And, and let's do these big, amazing things. Well, if the Lord wills it, so be it. But I'm calling you to be a no one. A big one that is a no one. That forgives about his or her name. And says, it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I don't want to be famous. I don't want to be a big shot. I want you to be famous. I want you to be known. I want to make much of you less of me. Help me fade away from the sin so that you can take over. Sometimes for Jesus to show up, it's not unbelievers who get in the way. It's us. It's time to step aside. And let him be front and center. Let him be the big one. That's what Phineas did. He obeyed God. Just one step at a time. Is this what you're saying? I'll do it. You may not know 20 steps down the road what the Lord wants you to do. But you know, you and I know what he wants us to do right now, right here. And I'm here to call you out of the pews into the harvest field of God and say, let's do it. Do you want me to serve those people? I will. I was telling the men at my table during, during the conference, I was so moved. And again, Brother Scott, I want to say, when you said about this uh, homeless people, I was moved again. 
Because I've seen a family of immigrants from Honduras living close by my house, out on the street. And I know what I have to do. Just haven't done it. But I'm deciding to go do it. Reach out to them. Help them with their needs. Whether they want to go back to their country or they want to establish in Mexico, I don't know. But I got to reach out to them. Of course, share the love of Jesus. What is the Lord calling you to do? Because you already know. You may be doing it. Praise God. Keep on going. Keep it up. But there might be some of us that this weekend is about commitment. I'm committing before you, God, to obey. And I know this will bear fruit, maybe in my family, maybe in my nation, but I will obey. I'm sure Billy Graham was not planning on becoming the best and and greatest itinerant evangelist of all time. But when he decided, by setting his Bible upon that tree stump and saying, I'm going to preach this word and I'm going to trust it, God honored that commitment. Maybe today is the day where you and I need to make a commitment. Lord, I'm just going to do whatever you give me at hand. Whatever is at my hand to do, I'll do it. The next step, I'll take it. And how many steps you're going to take me, I don't know, but I'll do this one. Would you do that with me? I am the first of committing here. And I want to ask you to close your eyes. Just bow your head if you will. I will. And I'm going to ask God to help us take that first step. Lord God, we come before you. Because you want to recruit an army of no one. Our names may never be, I don't know, may never be written on the cover of a book. Or being displayed on TV, national TV, nationwide, worldwide. But that is not what we're seeking. What we are seeking is that your name is written on the hearts of men and women all over the world. So that they worship you, Jesus, the Savior. Would you touch the hearts? Many of us know what we have to do already. Many of us have seen already the needs around us. But have not walked towards those in need. I pray, Lord, that this morning... We take a step of faith. Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust that you will bless these little efforts and use them to change somebody's life and maybe a family and maybe a nation will be transformed. Somebody said, The world has yet to see what God can do with a man fully devoted to Him. 
Awakening Church, I'm calling you today to become that man, that woman, fully devoted, through whom God can do whatever He pleases. And change your community around you. And change your workplace. Would you be that one? Would you be that man? Would you be that woman? That steps out in faith saying, I trust you, God. I'm, I'm just going to obey you. I may look like a fool for some, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you, God, although I know this is not going to be well received by some, but you'll bless it. You'll use it for your glory. Would you be that person if you are? Join me. I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm the first one. I'm the first one. I've been preaching to you and I've been preaching to me, it seems like. Would you stand up? Let's pray together. Let's commit to say, God, I want to be that. I, please use me. Thank you, God. I want to live that. I want to live that life. One step at a time. Praise God, many of you are responding to Him, not to me. So in this spirit of prayer, I'm going to pray and then I'm going to ask Pastor Kerry to come forward so that he can pray for us too. Lord God, we praise you. We are living dust, but we are your beloved dust. You are so mighty, so powerful, and still you have decided to use mere clay instruments to fulfill your plans on this earth. We know that one can make a difference because it required just one sacrifice from the perfect Son of God to cleanse us from our sins, to bring us from darkness to light, from condemnation to salvation through the sacrifice of one. And it's for His glory that we're committing today to take that step that we have not taken yet. But, oh God, we want to. And we're going to, in the power of your Spirit, trusting what you are saying and doing in our hearts. Look how many have, you have here, Lord. You rock this world with 12. There are many more than 12 here. Do as you please. Take us where you want us to go. And bless those around us. Thank you, Sante. When I closed yesterday, after being under the teaching of what you heard this morning and when Dwight Robertson and Charlie exhorted us and we had the time of anointing to be sent out, I was reminded, and you just need to know this as a pastor, I've been in ministry 40 years I guess 
lot of times in churches, we try to do bigger, better, more bells and whistles, more programs, more excitement, more energy. And sometimes I just have to smile and say, Lord, you didn't come to institute bigger and better programs. Even bigger and better churches as far as notoriety. You came to empower individuals to be sent out one life at a time, ministering to one big one at a time, making that difference. And when we closed, I I was just saying in my internal spirit, Lord Jesus Christ, help me as a pastor, help us as a church to get it. And to get it is to understand that we're being sent every day, everywhere, to be the representation of Jesus Christ. And whether it's a listening ear, like Pastor Trey and I did this morning with a broken individual who came early around the church building, whether it's the person that you're going to meet after lunch, or the waitress that maybe you just look into their eye and you're thankful for their service to be grateful to them and maybe an encouraging word. You are the presence of Jesus. I am the presence of Jesus every day, everywhere. And we are God's plan A for the world. There is no plan B. Jesus didn't come when there was internet simulcast. You think about that. Why didn't he do that? Because he was the word incarnate come in the flesh so that we would be the presence of Jesus through the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. And so, Santi, thank you for again challenging us here this morning as we have all weekend to be sent out. And so with a benediction, I'm going to send you out because you don't know what this week holds. You may be pleasantly surprised who you could influence this week for the kingdom of God. You also may be um, astounded by maybe some rejection you might get. But none of us will be rejected like Jesus was. Take the step, take the initiative. As Scott made mention as we walk through, see, stop, spend time with this week, maybe next week. I don't know that we're doing an open mic next week, but maybe next week you would have the testimony of saying there was someone God brought into my life or I took the initiative with and it was the big one. And I was able to be God's plan A to encourage them or maybe even to share the words of the gospel to point them to Jesus. And so now I want you to put your palms up. Symbolically, you don't have to if you don't want to, but symbolically put your palms up. Do you remember when Jesus was getting ready to ascend to the heavens. The disciples were excited about the resurrection. They didn't fully understand everything was going on. But then he commissioned them. He told them to wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon them and that they would be his, what? Witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so when we put our palms up, We are receiving what's already been given to us. We are receiving afresh anew the Holy Spirit to go out to be His 
You don't have to be an evangelist, uh, the upfront. We talked about that a lot this weekend. It's not that big. Just be his witness of what God's doing in your life with your story. All right, so palms up. And now may the Holy Spirit descend upon you afresh and anew for an anointing this week to be able to see, to be able to stop, to be able to give time to an individual who needs the breath of God in their life. May you go in the power of the Holy Spirit to return rejoicing because the Lord Jesus went before you as plan A to reach the world for Jesus Christ. God bless. We will see you next week. Offering you can give as you exit exit, uh, the doors, and we will join back together next week with the good life back into the Sermon on the Mount. God bless.